you're listening to Inner Demons, the comic book podcast based on Marvel's very own spirit of vengeance, Ghost Rider. From Johnny Blaze and Danny Ketch to Robbie Reyes, Alejandra and more, this is the best place for news, reviews, and discussion. And now, here is your host on this fiery road to hell, Brian Biggie. Let's ride. Hello, Flameheads. Welcome to the newest episode of Inner Demons, the Ghost Rider podcast. As always, I am your vengeance-fueled yet lovable host, Brian Biggie. We are here with yet another jam-packed episode full of great reviews, news, and awesome interviews. On tonight's show, we have uh, some reviews. Ghost Rider issue number 19 and 20 from 2008 by Daniel Way and Jason Aaron, respectively. We also have Ghost Rider 2099, number 17. Uh, In addition, we also have Cloak and Dagger 18 and Sleepwalker 11 from the 1990s Danny Ketch. And last but not least, we also have Ghost Rider issue 20 from the 1970s. Uh, Before we get started with some of the news, uh, I wanted to also make a big announcement. At the end of tonight's episode, we have a fantastic interview uh, that we did with the writer of Witches Unleashed, uh, Carrie Harris. She is a very big Ghost Rider fan, and she recently released a uh, prose novel in the Marvel Untold series called Witches Unleashed uh, that is available now. So stay tuned for the end of the episode. We have an amazing interview with Carrie, so, uh, so stick around for that for sure. We have a huge episode, like I said, not just with the reviews, but this might be one of the most jam-packed news segments we've ever had on the show, okay? Starting in 2022, we have the Year of Vengeance, just announced by Marvel Comics, celebrating the 50th anniversary of the character Ghost Rider. Uh, fans have been really looking forward to this for a while. I know on the show itself, we've been discussing this for over a year, really hoping that Marvel would take advantage of of the anniversary, uh, and it looks like there are some plans to bring forth a new comic book series uh, starring Johnny Blaze, as well as some other, uh, hopefully, uh, big events featuring the Spirit of Vengeance. Uh, Right now, it was announced that Benjamin Percy will be taking over as a writer of a brand new uh, Ghost Rider ongoing series. Uh, so we will uh, link to the his synopsis of the upcoming series very soon. It's uh, it sounds very very interesting. It uh, sounds like uh, Johnny Blaze uh, is uh, having strange visions in, in a very normal life that he's having with his wife and kids. So that's obviously a very big departure on what we saw recently with him uh, in Ed Brisson's series, as well as in the last uh, you know decade or two. He's basically not been uh, that part of his life, so we're really interested to see what happens with Benjamin Percy's uh, upcoming solo run, but that will be scheduled to come out in the first part of 2022. Uh, Also, in addition to that, we have, uh, more recently, we have Avengers issue 50 with Robbie Reyes is is, uh, coming out very soon by Jason Aaron. And that's going to be springboarding right into a new series featuring Robbie Reyes called Avengers Forever. Uh, From the description, it sounds like Robbie's going to be leading a kind of a a time team or sort of a group going to different multiverses and creating a group of heroes to uh, combat various threats around the multiverse. So uh, that sounds very cool. I'm definitely going to be picking that up and checking that out. So stay tuned for that. We'll probably do that 
on an upcoming episode of Inner Demons. Uh, also, uh, we have a Marvel Unlimited series that is just being released now as we speak about Kushala, uh, written by Taboo from the Black Eyed Peas and B. Earl. And it is one of these kind of issues that, uh, you know, you'd have, it's like a, like a vertically uh, told story. I have not checked it out yet. Uh, I don't know what fans think about it, but so far, uh, we have heard a couple things. People have been really enjoying it. Some more further stories of Kushala and her lineage, the seven generations that they discussed in her Spirit Rider one-shot. So that's a, that's pretty cool. Um, we have a lot, a lot of really great stuff coming out for Ghost Rider fans. You know, some months we don't have a ton of news. This is just jam-packed. Um, going back to the Year of Vengeance thing, there was a promotional image released by Marvel uh, that showed many various Ghost Riders that, um, that really kind of teased potential stories uh, that could be coming out in the year. And hopefully we don't get uh, you know proven wrong by this announcement, but there was, in addition to Blaze, we had Danny Ketch, we had Vengeance, Michael Badalino, we had, yes, Kushala, Robbie Reyes, of course. Uh, we even had people like Carter Slade, the Phantom Rider, uh, also known as the first Ghost Rider. We had um, the 1 million BC Ghost Rider shown in the Avengers uh, series with Jason Aaron. And even characters like um, Caleb from the Trail of Tears uh, and... Um, Cosmic Ghost Rider, and even the Galactic Guardians Ghost Rider from the 90s, which a lot of people consider to be kind of the first Cosmic Ghost Rider. Uh, very, very interesting stuff. Uh, you know, a lot of the people who saw the image didn't know who exactly some of the Ghost Riders were. Uh, these are very, very specific Ghost Riders. These weren't just uh, riders that were thrown together, uh, you know, haphazardly. These were characters that have had uh, fairly significant runs over the years, uh, so it's very, very cool to see them brought back. Let's hope it's not something just like a throwaway thing, but a really big celebration of the Ghost Rider, Johnny Blaze, Danny Ketch, uh, Alejandro Jones, of course. I mean, this is really, really a great thing. So, uh, so fingers crossed for the fans. We really need some good news after the last year or two. We've had, you know, a lot of stop and start of the, um, <laughs> of the hell cycle, so to speak, with Edverson's run and some of the little mini series and things that got canceled, uh, potentially because of the pandemic, potentially because of something else. We really need some good news as Ghost Rider fans. But this is a very exciting thing, so I'm very much looking forward to this as well. Uh, unfortunately, on with some uh, the good news, we got to take some of the bad as well. Uh, the Midnight Suns video game that we announced on last episode that's going to be coming out in 2022, that has been delayed by the publisher of the game, by the developer, uh, just to work on the game a little further. So, uh, you know, in my opinion, a delayed game usually... Um, when they take more time to work on it, it's just going to make the, the game better in the long run, uh, better cutscenes, better action, better, uh, you know, less less glitches and bugs. So let's hope that that's going to be where this uh, this game goes. So it's going to be released later in, in 2022, which is fine by me because if they take that time to really make a phenomenal game uh, starring all these supernatural characters, especially the uh, Robbie Reyes Ghost Rider, I'm very excited about seeing that. So um, I want to give them more time to work on that. But of course... You know, we don't want it to get delayed too much because we're all very excited about it. Uh, and then uh, last but not least, we have some more rumor and innuendo featuring Doctor Strange, uh, the Multiverse of Madness. We have uh, the, the, the sequel to Doctor Strange 
starring Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, there's a lot of rumor and innuendo going into the film about some potential Ghost Rider cameos. Um, you know, I don't expect anything big on this because this movie seems pretty jam-packed as it is. But uh, there's a very good chance that there might be something in there for us Ghost Rider fans. You know, I- I'm imagining maybe uh, the Spirit of Vengeance is introduced without seeing the human host kind of thing. Um but if you're a longtime Ghost Rider fan, you know that Doctor Strange and the Spirit of Vengeance are intrinsically tied to each other. So uh, there's a lot of shared history, uh, both as allies, like on the Midnight Suns team, and as enemies as well, as recent as last year with Ed Brisson's run. So I'm very, very intrigued to see where that goes. And what makes it even sweeter is that Sam Raimi is directing the sequel to Doctor Strange. So, I mean, if you wanted to hand a, uh, you know, an accomplished Hollywood director... Uh, a Ghost Rider scene, I, I would certainly trust Sam Raimi in that regard because of his his horror chops as well as his superhero uh, films like Spider-Man. So, uh, so that is very, very cool. Uh, like I said, we have an amazing show for you guys tonight, so definitely stay tuned. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back starting on some of the reviews for the night. Stay tuned, guys. Hey there everyone, I'd like to tell you about the YouTube channel I Am Your Target Demographic. If you're a fan of comics, we have plenty that you'll enjoy over there, including a series called Heroes Like Us that explores comic characters of all sorts of different identities. And we even have a series that defines words that are used in nerd culture that you may not know what they mean. So you can check us out by heading to YouTube and searching I Am Your Target Demographic or look up IAYTD on any social media outlet. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. We're going to get right into the reviews tonight, uh, starting with Ghost Rider issue 19 from March of 2008. This is the Revelation's conclusion. Written by Daniel Way, uh, Javier Salteris with the art breakdowns, Tom Palmer with the finishes, and this is the final issue of his run on the series. At the Tuckamon uh, Hotel, the manager has called the police to evict Dixie. But she refuses to let them in, shooting through the door to dissuade them and begging them to give her a half an hour time, after which she will leave peacefully. Meanwhile, the Ghost Rider rushes back to check on Lucifer's final avatar, who is left chained up underneath a nearby bridge, but finds it has broken free. The avatar confronts Ghost Rider, but as they battle, Lucifer realizes he is not at full power yet, and Ghost Rider reveals why, is that he kept alive another avatar crippled and brain dead. Meanwhile, the police break down the door to Dixie's hotel room, but upon seeing the monstrous avatar, they believe her story that she is guarding the devil's body. Moments later, Ghost Rider slays the avatar he is fighting, transferring its power to the very last avatar back in the hotel room. When it springs to life, the police gun it down, but a stray bullet hits Dixie, killing her. With Lucifer gone, Ghost Rider prepares for his looming fight with Zadigo. And that's where that issue ends. So because tonight we'll be reviewing issue 20 as well, moving right into the Jason Aaron run on the series, we're going to also read the synopsis of that as well. Issue 20 starts with, shortly after Dixie's funeral, Johnny Blaze visits a Catholic priest and tells him to inform Zadkiel that vengeance is coming, and that becomes Ghost Rider and makes a destructive departure. Weeks later, Johnny stops at a gas station for provisions and learns 
from the proprietor of Lucas Collier, a local teenager who suffered a heart attack and, as a result of a near-death experience, now fears angels. Johnny travels to the hospital where Lucas has, was taken, but is forced to leave by the brutish head nurse. A few minutes later, Johnny becomes the Ghost Rider and drives through the front of the hospital. Revealing he knows who Ghost Rider is and why he has come, Lucas agrees to tell the Rider whatever he wants to know in return for the Ghost Rider taking him away from that hospital. The nurses, who are, with exception of a new nurse named Naomi, actually are a heavily armed band of Zadkiel's disciples. They gear up to pursue the Ghost Rider and Lucas. On a nearby highway, though, two tourists are attacked by a vicious band of ghosts. And that's where this issue ends. Alright guys, so there's a lot to unpack here. These are uh, two very pivotal moments in the Ghost Rider's history uh, and and very divisive one for fans. Uh, you know, we recently talked about Daniel Way leaving the series, uh, 19 being the last issue that he worked on, and then Jason Aaron taking over the reins of the Hell Cycle immediately afterwards. So starting with 19, uh, you know, let's talk about a couple of things we liked about it because, you know, this is a very, very divisive one for fans. A lot of fans really are disappointed with this one. Uh, one of the good things about this one is that um, Ghost Rider finally does get the upper hand on Lucifer after about two years of issues and a lot of back and forth between taking down these avatars and all those other missions. Uh, Ghost Rider is finally able to um, give the the devil his comeuppance. And, and that is, at, le- at the very least, a little bit of a uh, of a nice thing for readers. A little bit of closure there. We always know that Lucifer, Mephisto... Uh, Satan, these demonic entities, whether they're one and the same, whether they're different, are always a thorn in Ghost Rider's side. Some fans like the uh, satanic element of him battling these uh, these beings. Some fans are more akin to enjoying him fighting uh, street level characters. But you know, regardless, you know this has been a, a long time coming to to have Lucifer finally get uh, get his comeuppance. Like I said. And the Ghost Rider, uh, the plan is, it's not exactly a, uh, a plan that came out of nowhere because, you know, you know, readers have sort of been tipped off by about issue 14 or so uh, to know that uh, there was some machinations between Blaze and Dixie to take out the last Avatar. So, so like I said, it is nice to, to finally see Lucifer getting taken down a peg uh, in this. Um, so it's a somewhat interesting plan to try to remove the last Avatar. Um the art, I'll address, the Ghost Rider looks pretty neat. I mean, you know, this is a great team. Javier Saltaris, you know, we have uh, Palmer, uh, Brown. These are folks who have worked on the Rider uh, extensively in the past, especially Javier, who helped to start the 90s Ghost Rider run with Howard Mackey. Um, the, you know, there are some parts where the, it, it looks a little too, um, a, li- a little less clean for, for my liking, you know. And ironically, in about a year's time, we'll see some of this art team reunited on the Danny Ketch Addict miniseries, which fills in what Danny's been doing this whole time. Um, the art on even on that series, which we'll be getting to on the show later, uh, is even uh, better than, than what we see here. But overall, this is pretty good art. And some of the action scenes against the devil are pretty amazing. Seeing seeing them fight and seeing some of these splash pages are, are pretty damn cool. So. I mean, overall, that's kind of some of the positives that I say about issue 19. But now on to the negatives. This is, like I said, a very common feeling amongst fans that this is a kind of a 
a, a disappointment uh, for, um, for for readers. Basically, after all this all this time, it really did not stick the landing. Um, Tons of cringeworthy dialogue from every character in this story. Uh, the Ghost Rider, uh, the Devil himself, the Hillbilly Cops. Uh, you know, there's one cop that looks like Barney Fife a little bit. I mean, this is becoming a very tired um, element of Daniel Way's stories. It's, you know, Garth Ennis did it as well, but it did it a little bit, um, a little bit better, let's just say that. And a lot of times we can't really tell if Daniel Way is kind of... Uh, doing this as an homage or just kind of ripping off some of those elements with every cop is incompetent. They're so stupid. They're they're They talk like idiots. They say the word turlet instead of toilet, for example, they're firing these, these weapons that they've never even used before and gassing themselves with tear gas. I mean, you know, we, we cannot really get into what's going on in the story when so many pages are dedicated to the incompetence of the local authorities. And even, Going back to the dialogue, having the devil and Johnny Blaze go back and forth about calling each other dumbasses. I mean, it's really cringeworthy. These are pages that could be dedicated to um, finishing the mission on a high note. Having the devil get get really sent back to hell. Um, and instead, it's really wasted. It's wasted on corny jokes that really I don't think had any place in a final issue of, of a conclusion that, of a huge part of the Ghost Rider's history where it's revealed of his 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 angelic origin, basically. Which many fans still take issue with, which I totally understand. A lot of people say this is really um, not a good direction for the character. It really undoes some of the goodwill that, that they had going for for his origin and stuff like that. But if they were going to go with it, this is not the way to end, end the series. Uh, it's a disappointing finale. Um, I mean, the devil... The Devil's last avatar, after 666 pieces, is defeated by these moron cops that I just I just mentioned a little while ago. Uh, they gun him down, and and he's dead. So just you know, a hail of bullets from idiot cops is what defeats the the Devil. And if you had told me at the very start of this run in 2006 that the that the finale of Lucifer's uh, plan was going to be killed by these guys i never would have guessed that i would have said you were lying so that is an overall huge um mistake a huge disappointment uh and even involving dixie was an interesting element to that you know and it's unfortunate her character got gunned down and and almost really never brought up again much after this this time period um but you know it's because blaze got her killed basically i mean let's face it you know and there's really not enough time to um to let that sink in for the character. And that does a disservice to everybody. It does a disservice to Blaze and, and Dixie herself. And I know she wasn't a huge, huge part of the series, but you know, she met him early on in this run and and she's just um shuffled off like like nothing. So that is quite a of a disappointment for sure. Um like I said, it's a horrible send-off for that character. And honestly, the last few pages of this are cribbed from other issues from this run. You know, the the art changes quite a bit because you can tell there were scenes, some panels taken from earlier comics talking about Blaze's origin and, and his time at the at the carnival and seeing his deal and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's dramatic how much this issue's pace changes and how off this this really feels. This is a, a really uh, it's a big disappointment, really, you know. So I'm I'm gonna have to give this one one flaming star flaming skull out of five for the very conclusion of um Danny Way's run on the series. 
Moving right along to the Jason Aaron um, issue where he picks up. I mean, this is a very <laughs> this is a very interesting dynamic between these two writers. Very different ideas on what the character should go. Um, in in a span of one issue, Aaron was able to turn the story around to make it a must-read series. And I know Jason Aaron has a lot of uh, critics of his work, especially recent work. But I don't know of many other authors who who could come in, writers could come in and really kind of um, pulled up from the from the nosedive of where the series was going. That this could have been a real disaster, and and the series could have ended on issue nineteen and left it for another writer to pick up, uh, you know, a year or two later on, and it wouldn't have been the same. The fact that this came out the very next month, which they don't do as often anymore, have writers change like this and have it keep going. Uh, was a stroke of genius the, the way they handled it. Um, starting with the art, the art is very stylized. It's not for everybody, but it's very, very cool. Um, seeing Roland Bosky um, really unleashed and showing what he can do, redesigning what the writer looks like, much more intimidating, much scarier. Um, you know, the last series, uh, you know, the writer really looked like like the Danny Ketch Ghost Rider, but now. Blaze is is like that to the 11th degree, you know, to, to the nth degree. We have him, you know, carrying different weapons and much more beefy and scary. And his eyes always have this kind of glow around him. Um, he's terrifying, you know, way more than usual. See, seeing seeing the writer come for you is not an enviable thing for a uh, for a villain, basically. And he's obviously on this mission uh, to find Zadkiel to take him down. And and the the dialogue here is is so sharply written. I mean, in this issue alone, uh, going from 19 to 20, this issue alone has gun-toting nuns, uh, killer angels, ghost cannibals, and a heaven-based conspiracy theory. I mean, this is a grindhouse uh, issue if I've ever read one. This is like an homage to horror movies, uh, to shows like Supernatural. I mean, this really feels very much at home in that kind of dark underbelly of the Marvel Universe, and and I really welcome it. Uh, Going back to early in this issue, issue 20, Johnny Blaze is speaking with the priest, uh, and that kind of reminds me a little bit of the '70s issues, uh, Ghost Rider um, '68, where Johnny Blaze is talking to uh, a priest about uh, some of the things that are you know happening in his life, and he kind of retells his origin a bit. Aaron very wisely uses this kind of uh, framing device to to make this accessible to new readers. If I was picking up issue 20 for the very first time, based on the cover, the cover is amazing, by the way. Um, I would know everything that's happening in, in Johnny's life. Um, despite all the 19 issues that have come before. And really kind of getting an idea of where he is, his mission, and he bla- he walks out of the church with flaming footprints and, and, and rides the bike away. I mean, it's really, really stunning stuff um, and, and very compelling, I think, for new readers. I always talk about reader accessibility, how Stanley was quoted as saying every comic is a first comic for somebody. This is a fabulous first comic for somebody. Um, and... You know, you have the priest holding his rosary beads on one panel, and paralleling that, we have Johnny Blaze holding his motorcycle car keys, his motorcycle keys, excuse me. Very, very uh, indicative of, you know, how, how different they are and just how it's the mirror image of each other. It's a cool little, it's a little thing, but it's very cool to me. Um, and the fact that Johnny Blaze name drops Danny Ketch in this opening panel, in this opening uh, couple pages, was like heart stopping for fans because. Bringing him back into the fold, even as a subtle hint, I remember reading this back in 2008 and being like 2007 and so, and being like, "Wow, I, I can't believe they just mentioned Danny Ketch." We just went through two years or, or of of a comic series where Ketch was 
not even really mentioned at all. Um, he didn't really exist. didn't matter. And for the decade before, he was non-existent, which is a huge shame because Ketch was one of the most popular um, eras of the character, really arguably so. Uh, and it was really, really sad how he was basically written out of the Marvel Universe completely. They didn't know what to do with him. They didn't know if he was out there. He didn't show up at all, basically. You know, I think, uh, you know, spectacular Peter Parker Spider-Man, I think it was, 93, was the last time we saw the Ghost Rider for many, many years. He just rode off into the sunset and uh, kind of a vague a vague response to Spider-Man, and he was gone. But now, even the fact that Blaze is mentioning Danny is planting seeds for the reader, really kind of showing what that the, he's going to be bringing back Danny in a big way, uh, in an unexpected way, not as the hero we know and love, but as someone who has darker motivations. And I, I fully welcome that. Um, so I think that was a big deal. Uh, there's even a couple, some lines of dialogue that are very clever. When the priest says, you're speaking blasphemy, Johnny Blaze says, fluently, as fluent as hell, he says. And even just reading lines like that shows that Aaron cared about the Ghost Rider coming into the series. It wasn't just an assignment. It wasn't just a paycheck. And really paid off some very cool uh, continuity moments here and there. So I, I applaud the t- the whole team on this, the creative team, to bring this story to, to life. Um, there's a moment where he says, when the hell cycle starts up, um, someone in the world dies as, as a consequence of that. That is a very interesting concept. Um, there's been some moments in the Ghost Rider history where... Uh, the bike itself is kind of tied to something sinister. I mean, uh, thinking back to Michael Badalino's Hell Cycle, you know, his bike is imbued with like the blood of the innocents and stuff like that. And it's very skeletal. I mean, it's a very fascinating concept that the bike itself is really uh, an infernal machine that uh, has has all these dark overtones. Where imagine that if if Blaze is admitting that the fact that when he turns on his bike um, to to ride somewhere, someone's dying as a result. So. Think of the guilt Blaze has already. If he if he has this in the back of his mind, that's another thing that's weighing on his conscience. And he just you know even when he's trying to do good, someone is paying the price as a result, and that's really a fascinating thing. Um, you know, seeing the the later hallucination with the nurse when Blaze encounters her, he's trying to find Lucas, and she's a real beast basically she's like six feet tall seven feet tall she's massive and and he has this quick image of what he could do to her how he could like you know send hellfire at her and like you know roast her or whatever of course that was just a a a vision but he didn't know probably how close to her actual um real origin she was that she was a disciple of zadkiel you know what i mean so that's really kind of interesting um also, uh, like I said, the dark horror elements is a welcome change to the series. Uh, at the end of Daniel Way's run, it got very jokey at times, um, even with the the implications of sending the devil back to where he belonged. They spent pages in Daniel Way's last issue talking about who was a, a bigger dumbass. Was it the Ghost Rider or, or the devil? And like I said, that's just a huge uh, problem. Uh, you know, we really can't buy in as readers to the story, but seeing this aspect and seeing how they, how Aaron takes it very seriously and imbues it with a lot of dark horror elements is, uh, a, like I said, a, a huge thing to, to bring into the series. And I'm very glad it went that way. It's a hell of a relaunch, uh, you know, honestly, with no pun intended. Uh, and no issue is perfect, but this is pretty damn special, I gotta say. And I know there are many listeners who don't like Jason Aaron at all, but I think you have to admit that this was a a a, a welcome 
uh, direction change for the character that you know things are much more serious and and dark and, and sinister and seeing but with with the side of humor in there as well so um I would highly recommend this issue, especially even to new readers. So I'm even going to go as far as giving it to five Flaming Skulls out of five. A highly recommend issue for any Ghost Rider fan out there. Or even someone who just wants to get into the character uh, and, and is a fan of like grindhouse horror movies and things that are a little spooky. It's a great Halloween read, you know what I mean? So I would say check it out for sure. Moving right along, we have Ghost Rider 2099, issue 17, Prodigal Son. By Len Kaminsky, Ashley Wood, and and also art by Jim Daly as well. So the synopsis is, Locked out of cyberspace and hated by everybody, Zero Cochran heads to the only place he feels he can hide out for a bit. His old house, and he talks to his estranged father, Harrison Cochran. Meanwhile, Mr. Willis Adams, the journalist, is also laying low and meets up with Anastasia Jones at the barcode for uh, for an undernet connection. He recently resigned uh, when he was being forced to write a propaganda hit piece by President Doom on the Ghost Rider. In cyberspace, a techno-demonic entity known as Le Cipher is awoken by his, from his status, stasis and wants to destroy the world. Cutting back to Zero as he reveals to his father how bad he messed up while also trying to take down Max Energy and his broken promise to him about the white heat drug. The Ghostworks beings uh, look on, but are scared at the Cipher Awakening. Um, Ice Nine, Warp Angel, and Cabal and Company are in a hollow chamber and are there to retrieve lost technology from the 20th century's Ages of Heroes. Seen in the room are Iron Man's suit of armor, Captain America's shield, the Fantastic Car, and more. As, as the Killer Babe Strip Club, Heartbreaker from last issue returns from her battle and covers up her damaged face with a heart-shaped half-mask. Going back to the Harrison, uh, Harrison's household, um, he reveals that Zero was carried by a surrogate mother when he was born, who's blamed for Zero's rebellious nature. But now that Zero Cochran is a federal marshal, um, Harrison is finally proud of him. Zero walks out, leaving him behind. As Neurodancer gets ready for her mission, the Cyber Demon activates, and that's where this issue ends. All right, guys, so um, generally, despite the fact that this issue is really just a dialogue piece and there's almost nothing that happens, um, overall, it is a more enjoyable um, compared to some of the recent comics from this run. Um, you know, it's very dialogue heavy. Clearly, if you read this back, there's really not a lot that happens. Ghost Rider goes to his dad's house, and then you have um, quite a bit of other moments where the characters are kind of kicking the can down the road and introducing further plot storylines that are pay off later in the series, especially as late as the series finale in issue 25. Um, there's more character development here from Zero and Harrison. There's some good insight in there. It's not everybody's cup of tea because you pick up a comic book to really um, to visually see a, a, a nice story, not just to read something. And this could be written um, in a book, basically. There's really not a lot of visuals that really need to be shown off. But I do like the fact that um, the Ghost Rider is addressing his father here and and, and really kind of saying, you know, how come I was never good enough? How come um, you let 
my mother, uh, you know, fade away and just kind of become a shell of her former self kind of thing because she lives at the house as well, but is kind of a, a vegetable. You know, she's just plugged into a to a media center and all she does is just watch TV all, all day long. Um, it's very much a filler issue. And whether or not uh, readers think that that's okay or not, uh, or, or, or meh, but uh, you know, I do appreciate the, the little peek behind the curtain of some of that. Um, the Ghost Rider looks amazing in this, despite the fact that he very much uh, is borrowing Judge Dredd's clothing here uh, and his attitude. But you know, I do like the fact that you know this new version of him. You know, he's very authoritarian, obviously, very fascist kind of uh, cop, military state sort of thing. But um, so I do think some of the art here is is a lot cleaner than before. And I think some of that is the result of uh, Jim Daly uh, had to complete some of Ashley Wood's work by reconstructing it. I think there was a snafu in some of the uh, submitting of the artwork. And Jim Daly had to step in not just this issue, but I think some of last issue as well and try to really uh, neaten it up and, 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 and color so things make a little more sense. Now, granted, like I said, this is an issue with not a lot of action going on. So it's easier to show um, characters standing around talking or whatever then all the action happened last issue where i was very confused didn't know what was happening next so so seeing this uh in the art here is for me it's much more appreciated so that helped me to enjoy the book a little bit more um some of the things i didn't like about it like i said nothing really happens this is really just something that could be um, it can't even be read quickly that's the other thing too it, it's you know there's a lot of dialogue here and um, the pacing is all over the place. That that's a huge downside for me. Um, you know, it shifts gears way too much. There's moments with Zero Cochran and Harrison. There's Willis Adams, the journalist, um, who is, is on the run basically because he didn't want to write the hit piece on Ghost Rider. We have the Ghost Works being. We have Heartbreaker, a one-page thing with Heartbreaker getting a new mask. Uh, we have Coda uh, and, and the LeCypher, the Demon. So these are all elements that are told are told in such quick. Uh, you know, whip snap moments that you really can't appreciate any of them. It really does a disservice to to the book itself by really bogging it down by cutting back and forth. I wish they kind of stayed to like you know maybe one subplot or maybe two at the most, but there's like four or five going on. There's just way too much uh, to deal with. And honestly, the Ghost Rider Twenty Nine series is uh, you know the first first year was amazing and a lot of the writing is still very good but um, it's still quite a bit inaccessible for new readers if I gave this to somebody as the very first ghostwriter comic I don't think they would know what the hell to do with it honestly it's the the dialogue is is tough at times because you're deep into the this techno world of 2099 of transverse city and just the kind of you know the world building that had to be required if you weren't reading from issue one, you're very lost, I believe. And even if you were a fan from issue one, like myself, uh, if it's been a little while since you picked up a 2099 Ghost Rider issue, it's still a little bit strange. I had to go back and reread parts of the, of the prior issues to know what the heck was going on, uh, to remember that what Willis Adams was on the run for, to remember what Ghostworks was up to, uh, to find out what Coda and all these characters were even doing and even what they were named. There's so many... Um, elements that are thrown together, I think that does a, a disservice to the whole story as well. This could have been really great um, uh, character study, having you know uh, Ghost Rider going back home and addressing his dad, who's finally proud of him now that he wears the badge, of course. Which is uh, it's a it's a shame, obviously, because he was like never really loved sort of thing, you know. 
but even getting a little bit of insight into why he became so rebellious and why he joined gangs at an early age, it's the sins of the father. You know, it's a tale as old as time. You have all these uh, ghost riders in history who have this these broken homes and, and uh, you know, households where, you know, they've had bad relationships with their dad or no relationship with their dad at all and, and things of their family is missing. And, you know, Naomi Blaze and, uh, you know, Crash Simpson. I mean, it really is tied directly to a lot of these characters tragic origins and how they got hooked into a ghost rider a story basically um despite the fact that zero cochran his being is is not at all having to do with the supernatural it's all technological he is the ghost rider you know he's not tapping into zarathos or something like that he is he's one of the ghost riders that to to look like his old self he needs to put on a hologram he needs to pretend to be human and have his body reconfigure itself so he's more human. So basically, he is the Ghost Rider 24-7. Unlike other supernatural-based Ghost Riders, he is very, very different. So that's something that's always compelling about this being. His fire is not Hellfire. It's, it's uh, techno fire. It's hologram fire, you know. He's uh, it, very different. You know, he's very tech-based. And uh, he's a war bot. He's like a Terminator. So, I mean, it's a very different um, departure from other Ghost Rider stories, clearly. But honestly, like I said, it's... Um, it's it's tough for new readers. It, honestly, I think it's there's some good moments about this one, despite that not a whole lot happens. I'm gonna be generous here. I'm gonna give this issue three flaming skulls out of five because we see a little bit more of Zero's backstory and it, it's trying to introduce some things later on in the series. It doesn't really handle it all that great, but that's why I'm gonna give it three out of five flaming skulls for twenty ninety nine, issue seventeen. It's been a while since we've done a Danny Ketch uh, comic book, uh, you know, and that's kind of by design. It's not that I don't like Danny Ketch. He's my favorite Ghost Rider. It's honestly because we're trying to link up where we were with the reviews so that next episode uh, we're much more in line with uh, the numbers. So I can say, uh, guys, read Ghost Rider uh, of the 90 series issue 21 as well as the 70 series issue 21 and so on. So we're trying to kind of match up uh, a little more one for one so we can kind of go through the series as best we can. So what we're going to do here tonight, because we're going to wait till next episode for that, we're going to do some of the Danny Ketch guest spots from the 90s. Yes, he was in many, many guest spots in, in the early 90s. Uh, you know, it took a little while getting him there because people weren't sure if he was going to be a success. But all of a sudden, the readers were going nuts for him. And many writers at Marvel wanted to get him in their book. Even even writers that, that kind of were naysayers going in being like, oh, okay, that Danny Catch series is not going to last three issues. All of a sudden, they're banging on Howard Mackey's door saying, okay, can I get a Ghost Rider tie-in here? I want, I want to get him into my ongoing monthly book. So uh, out of nowhere, there's a huge explosion in Ghost Rider guest appearances. And there was a time, guys. It's hard to remember now. But there's a time. If you put the Ghost Rider skull on, on a cover of of another book, or whether it's Quasar, whether it's uh, Deathlock, any of these other issues would instantly boost the sales of, of, the, of the comic. And that's almost hard to imagine nowadays, but with the way the industry is and, and the way the Ghost Rider has been handled. But that Ghost Rider was so... Uh, so popular, such an on-fire title that you throw throw him on the cover, boom, it's going to instantly increase sales. So tonight, guys, we are doing Cloak and Dagger number 18 uh, called The Heat is On, uh, written by Terry Cavanaugh with artist Dave Ross and anchor Sam De La Rosa. Uh, so the synopsis is, Cloak, Dagger, Spider-Man, and a girl named Anna have been brought to Mephisto's dimension as part of his plot to open a doorway between hell and earth for his demon army. 
Ghost Rider arrives, having traveled through a dimensional doorway on Earth. And Mephisto explains his plot to the heroes before the demons begin to swarm them. Mephisto is distracted by events elsewhere and teleports away to meet with Thanos, leaving his demons to subdue the heroes themselves. Ghost Rider places Anna on his motorcycle, which rides her through a portal and back to Earth, and he then turns his attention towards the demons, joining Spider-Man, Cloak, and Dagger in their fight. When Mephisto returns, he assumes a giant-sized and swallows Cloak and Dagger whole, while Ghost Rider rides out of hell with Spider-Man on his back and the bike. They manage to reach Earth, but Cloak and Dagger are spat out by Mephisto and transported somewhere else entirely. And that's where this issue ends. So guys, basically, we're going to talk more so about Ghost Rider's appearance in this one here because I haven't been, hadn't been keeping up with the Cloak and Dagger uh, run at this point. So we're going to talk mostly about um, how Ghost Rider appears uh, in this issue here. So we'll keep it kind of brief. Um, what I liked about this issue is that Mephisto looks great. I think the art team here with David Ross uh, really draws him uh, kind of like how you expect him to look, but really scary uh, and really showing off his powers. And I think the Ghost Rider looks pretty cool as well. Um, there is a moment that I appreciated here where uh, there's a random demon that sees the Ghost Rider and, and asks him if it's Zarathos with a question mark. I thought that was a cool little moment there. That's a nice little um, homage to uh, the Johnny Blaze series and showing that a lot of these demonic forces don't know who they're dealing with. And that just creates more mystery and more intrigue. And at this point in the series... Um, with Howard Mackey, I don't think it was decided whether or not it was truly going to be uh, Noble Kale, Zarathos. We didn't know the origin, and that was fine by me, honestly. You know, having a, a mystery around a character, uh, much like Wolverine for all those years, being you know his, not knowing his full backstory, it just makes more of an intriguing character because you know other characters in the book don't know who they are, as well as the main character doesn't because their whole origin is shrouded in uh, some sort of a mystery. So that was a cool little moment there. Uh, Ghost Rider does do a nice job of kicking ass here. He saves Anna on the bike. Um, that was kind of cool. That he was able to send the bike away to, to safety, and she was able to get out, which is cool. Um, you know, I think it's best to tell Ghost Rider fans what he was doing during during the Infinity Gauntlet. That That's really where, if you, if you care about what Ghost Rider was doing during that time period and when um, Thanos was uh, acquiring all the stones and trying to take over... People might wonder what Ghost Rider was doing that time period. This is one of the main reasons to pick up this issue at all, um, and, and that's kind of a tenuous one at best. If you're a Cloak and Dagger fan, obviously I think it's a good issue to pick up. If you're a Ghost Rider fan, I don't think this is a necessary issue whatsoever, but it is nice to know uh, where the Spirit of Vengeance was during that time period, maybe when he could have helped out or something like that. Um, what's funny is that the Infinity Gauntlet Saga and the Infinity War and all that kind of stuff became much more popular than... I think they had expected at the time. So uh, there weren't as many crossovers going on uh, for that at the moment, I believe. So that's why when you see Thanos, he's really just in, in there for a page. You know, He's really not in there for a long time. Mephisto comes to offer the souls of Spider-Man and, and uh, Cloak and Dagger, and he's rebuked pretty quickly. And then he returns and goes, ha-ha, I'm so glad he said no. I mean, some of that is a little silly. And, you know, onto some other things that I didn't like about this issue, I mean... There are times where the Ghost Rider, despite the fact that he's very capable here in his fighting, uh, he seems a little dumb here, you know, to be honest with you. Um, it's almost like he doesn't want to fully help uh, Anna, the innocent young girl, until she's more injured, more hurt. You know, he's just, it's almost like, okay, now that innocent blood has been spilled, I can really help out. 
And that kind of does him a disservice, makes him look pretty stupid. I think, you know, um, it's like he's kind of waiting around for someone to be more hurt, you know. And most of this book is just a lot of chaotic fighting and battles. And, you know, let's contrast that to an earlier review tonight where we talked about Ghost Rider 2099 being nothing but talking. This is mostly nothing but fighting, <laughs> you know? And that's the other end of the, of the pendulum there. That's the other end of the spectrum where we have just so much fighting. And honestly, if this was the first issue of somebody like myself, if I was reading Cloak and Dagger really for the first time, I don't know what the heck is going on. There's so much happening here with their storyline and the dark being that inhabits uh, Cloak's uh, clothing. You know, all these kind of things are very confusing for a new reader. And... I think the Ghost Rider doesn't come off very well in this issue either. If I was just a, a regular Cloak and Dagger fan, I don't think I would be won over by seeing the Ghost Rider here. Um, he just seems like kind of a jerk. Um, like I said, kind of stupid. And despite the fact that he's capable in a battle, what does he do at the end of, end of this issue, guys? He rides off into the sunset with Spider-Man. He leaves Cloak and Dagger to die, basically. You know, he they get swallowed by Mephisto, and he takes off. He turns tail and leaves. And I know there's not a hell of a lot they could have done, but Spidey, yet again, is disappointed by the Ghost Rider. He goes, you know, oh my god, you know, I encountered you way back in my issue 6 and 7, uh, and and you were just driven by vengeance and didn't care who you were going to hurt in the process. And that is very off-base to what the character is, of course. But even here, he's really kind of showing how stupid he is, how he wouldn't be willing to help fellow heroes. That's how I take it as, and if I was a Cloak & Dagger reader... I wouldn't be compelled to pick up uh, the fabulous uh, Howard Mackey series of the time. Despite the fact the, the run was amazing, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't care to pick up a Ghost Rider series uh, just by reading this. So it's, it is disappointing uh, seeing that. And uh, like I said, they leave Cloak and Dagger to die there. Um, it would turn off new readers, honestly, for the Ghost Rider series. So it wouldn't help in that department to try to you know, cross-promote because of, of the nature of the story. But honestly, it's... Um, the book, this issue is okay. I don't, I didn't really like it. I'm giving it a two flaming skulls out of five, only because there are cool moments here, uh, but but not a whole lot. They're few and far between. So, I'll say two flaming skulls out of five for Cloak and Dagger issue 18. Now we're going to move on to Sleepwalker issue 11, written by Ghost Rider artistic legend Bob Budiansky and illustrated by Brett Blevins. This one's called Ghost of a Chance. And I'm going to read the synopsis right from our Vengeance Unbound blog, written by Chris Munn, my former co-host. In Prospect Park, New York, an hour before dawn, the alien sleepwalker is held captive by Colonel Tolliver Smith, director of the Office of Insufficient Evidence, whose soldiers have successfully defeated the misunderstood hero. Sleepwalker finds that he is unable to project his warp vision due to a pair of goggles attached to his head. Smith tells him that their investigations revealed that the alien periodically disappears to the mind of an unknown person, and that the goggles attached to his face won't allow any energy out. But Smith tells him that he fires a special energy cannon at the alien, that they will allow energy in, and that the cannon is returning all the energy residue collected from the places Sleepwalker had used his warp beam. So when we return to the human host's mind, the goggles will fall off, and the resulting energy release will destroy that human host's mind. Outside the park, Danny Ketch is riding back home when he's stopped by a police barricade. Seeing all the injured people in the area, Dan undergoes the transformation into the Ghost Rider, who easily rides over the barricade. With a crack of his chain, he frees Sleepwalker from the device holding him, and then he turns to take on the soldiers. 
Sleepwalker still, shaky from his defeat, approaches and stops the Ghost Rider from giving Tolliver the penance stare, not wanting anyone else to be harmed because of him. Ghost Rider then believes that Sleepwalker is a traitor for daring to betray the freedom he had given the alien and punches him across the park. Despite Sleepwalker's attempts to calm him, the Rider continues his attack, eventually wrapping his chain around the alien's neck and dragging him along the ground. Sleepwalker floats high into the air as possible, pulling the Ghost Rider, bike and all, with him, then falls and slams his opponent into the ground. The battle takes them through the ground into a subway line, where a train collides into them. They carry the battle onto the train, both heroes mad with anger. But just as the Ghost Rider prepares to lay the final blow, Sleepwalker begins to fade away as his human host, Rick Sheridan, stirs in his sleep. Sleepwalker begs Ghost Rider to kill him, otherwise his human host will die if he awakens. He tells the Rider that um, that he stopped him from punishing Smith because he is the only person who can remove the goggles from his face. Realizing the mistake he made, Ghost Rider agrees to help. Back in the park, Tolliver is moving all of his troops and beagles out of the area, but are blocked by a crowd of people who hold him responsible for all the destruction in the neighborhood. Ghost Rider and Sleepwalker arrive back on the scene and immediately grab Smith. The Ghost Rider begrudgingly agrees to not hurt him if he removes the goggles from Sleepwalker's face, and when the device falls off, the energy contained finally bursts free, destroying most of Smith's vehicles and equipment. The rider rides off, but Sleepwalker grabs Tolliver, telling him that he made no promise to harm him. But at that moment, Rick's alarm goes off, waking him up, and causing the Sleepwalker to fade away before he can do any harm to Smith. And that's where this issue ends. Alright gang, so... Um on the other end of the spectrum from the last issue where Ghost Rider was kind of inconsequential and, and almost kind of like hurt the story a little bit, this is a fantastic um, showing for the writer as a guest spot, basically. Um, not just thrown on the cover to sell copies. This is, this is a great example of uh, a comic writer and an art team putting a character in the story with a lot of respect, a lot of reverence. And I honestly think if you were a sleepwalker reader, uh, you would want to read more ghost rider. If you were a ghost rider diehard and wanted to collect all of his appearances, you would want to read more sleepwalker. That's just how this is. And the fact that the guy who writes sleepwalker and created it, Bob Budiansky is tied so directly with, um, legendary art from ghost rider over the years, uh, drew covers for, tons of tons of issues and then took over full art duties for many years so you know seeing seeing him uh have such a great showing the sleepwalker issue is really no surprise and i might have mentioned earlier but brett blevins did a run on ghost rider years later so this is really a a, a great um, um guest spot for the ghost rider the art overall is awesome the transformation scene alone is badass is it looks so painful looks amazing and, you know, seeing it kind of melt almost the, the helmet off of his face and it just leave nothing but the charred bone underneath is just fabulous. It's gruesome, but that's that's what people would get when they would pick up a Ghost Rider comic. That was a nice little indicator of what to expect. Um, so really, really great. The fight scenes throughout the book, there's a lot of action, uh, are handled very, very well. Um, there's a lot of battles between Sleepwalker, the, uh, the Ghost Rider himself, uh, and the Special Forces, and, and seeing them battle each other, uh, to, really tooth and nail, uh, which is really, really fantastic. Um, 
the fact that you have the villain, uh, Colonel Smith, he really puts over Ghost Rider's awesomeness here. When you have a character like, like one of the villains uh, suddenly be terrified of this newcomer, this interloper, being like, oh my god, he's ripping through us like, like paper, that almost kind of really sells the severity of the Ghost Rider's powers, so that how, how intense it is. And whenever you have a character terrified of the spirit of vengeance... That does nothing but add more uh, more weight to, to the character, more intrigue. He's not handled as a joke. He's handled as a supernatural weapon of mass destruction. And that's really how I've loved the Ghost Rider the most. Uh, thinking back to moments like in the 70s series, you have Johnny Blaze basically just putting on a spook act and not really understanding his powers. And then you cut to the end of the 70s series in, into the 80s where he's barely holding on, uh, keeping you know the demon at bay. Just the sheer destructive nature of the Spirit of Vengeance is just stunning. And, and it, this is handled extremely well in this issue here. Um, when Ghost Rider was, uh, had wrapped Sleepwalker in his mystical chain, uh, that Sleepwalker had a very cool, uh, very good thinking where he flew up in the air and then slammed him down. Uh, that was a nice way of getting um, uh, a one-upsman ship on, onto the Ghost Rider because... Let's face it, Sleepwalker was uh, handicapped in this one a little bit. He was a little weaker than usual. He had his the goggles on. He couldn't uh, use his full extent of his powers. So he decides to have a slugfest. And guess what? He actually is still pretty damn strong, even in his weakened state. He, he really, uh, you know, hits Ghost Rider pretty hard. And they fight uh, in the park, in, in the subway uh, subway train. It's really fantastic stuff. Um, and what's interesting is that we're reminded as readers that at this stage, uh, the spirit of vengeance would refuse to kill an innocent person. Uh, didn't want to even even a villain. He shied away from killing, and that's kind of I think a lot of people forget um, thinking of how devastating the rider can be. Like even when you see the movies, it seems like he's killing people, uh, like in Spirit of Vengeance, the movie, left and right. And honestly, there was a time where he didn't want to hurt in, uh, any beings at all. He he wanted to, he want, didn't want to kill them, is what I mean. Uh, he had no problem with hurting them, clearly, uh, to the point of death, making them want want to die with his pen and stare. But, you know, he wasn't the Punisher. He wasn't someone like Wolverine who would just uh, mete out uh, final judgment and kill people. He would oftentimes hurt them extremely bad. And that's carried over here. So that is a consistent uh, storytelling moment for Budiansky here. I honestly think it's a great showcase for the Ghost Rider. Uh, like I said, if you were picking up Sleepwalker, you would know... That the Ghost Rider is not someone to mess around with. And and that would really convince you to pick up the, the monthly ongoing. Um, there are a couple things that I wasn't too fond of with this issue. They're, they're much fewer than what I liked about it. Um, you know, the fact that Ghost Rider quickly assumes that the Sleepwalker is a good guy when he's, when he's uh, captured. Right off the bat, despite the fact that Sleepwalker... Well, Sleepwalker and Ghost Rider have something in common. They are... Uh, monsters, monster-looking beings that are—they help innocent people. And they're very noble too, in, in a lot of ways, despite the fact they're very misunderstood by by the public. Um, and and that's that always goes a long way when you have a hero that is you know trying to do the good good thing, but then you have people revile them and, and fear them because of their appearance. And maybe that's why the rider freed him so quickly. But it seemed unlikely that he would do that. Maybe the the special forces or the cops were were in the right and maybe sleepwalker was you know a, a malicious alien basically it very quickly he frees him now maybe he sensed the good in him but that's a bit of a stretch to me that he just unleashes his his, his chains you know 
So that was a little weird. I kind of was hoping for a moment where he doubted him at first, but I know there's only so many pages to go around this this issue, and so much action happens. I think that's a minor gripe for me. Um, and, you know, as a Ghost Rider fan coming to this book, he is depicted as a bit stubborn and, uh, you know, dangerous and, and very threatening. Uh, if you were a sleep, Sleepwalker fan, you might be like, who is this guy? This is, you know, this guy's a, almost like a villain sort of thing. But I got to say, even though it doesn't make paint him in the best light as a character, as a guest star, um, it is consistent to how he is shown a lot of times. You know, he, he's come, he comes in, he's single-minded in his vengeance mission, and he does not sometimes care who gets in the way. Not to the extent of how Tom McFarlane made him back in the Spider-Man guest spots, but sometimes, you know, like, like sometimes he stops just short of hurting an innocent person. Um, and, you know, that's something that a lot of writers struggle with, but for the most part, that's a pretty spot-on reaction to how the writer is written at, the, written at this point, so... I will give Budiansky, uh props for that. And like I said, you know, I think he had a vested interest in making the writer look good because of all of his years working on the character. And like I said, you pair that with the art by Brett Blevins. Uh, it really uh, it looked great and was written really, really great. So overall, I do recommend this issue uh, as opposed to the Cloak and Dagger guest spot. This is a four Flaming Skulls out of five issue for me, Sleepwalker issue 11. Our last review of the nights is we have Ghost Rider issue 20 from the 1970s. Um, this is called Two Against Death, written by Marv Wolfman, uh, artist John Byrne, inker Don Perlin. Ghost Rider is approached by the Stuntmaster, who he knows is the one responsible for kidnapping Karen Page. Stuntmaster claims that he had been hypnotized by Death's Head and was forced to kidnap Karen, but now he is ready to take Blaze to where she's being held. The two men arrive at Death's Head's hideout during a fight between the villain and Daredevil, who had come to L.A. to find Karen and had succeeded. A brief battle rages during which Daredevil realizes who Death's Head really is. Death's Head flees on a skeletal horse, and Ghost Rider gives chase, but stops when the villain vanishes from sight. Back at the hideout, Daredevil confronts Karen. Daredevil comforts Karen, excuse me, but the two are interrupted by the Stuntmaster, who apologizes and tells him that he's leaving town to find himself. Blaze, in his human form, now that the danger has passed, arrives back at the hideout and tells Daredevil that they're going to work together to stop Death's head after Johnny's, Johnny's personal errand. At the hospital, Johnny visits Roxanne Simpson, who is still recovering from her recent ordeal. Johnny bemoans that he's a loser that will only bring her grief, but Roxanne replies that she doesn't want another man, she only wants Blaze. Meanwhile, in a nearby park, Matt Murdock and Karen Page are going for a walk and talking about old times. They're attacked by Death's Head once again and his minion Smasher, who attempt to kidnap Karen again. Matt changes into the Daredevil costume and fights Smasher, who he flips toward Death's Head. The villain touches Smasher on the shoulder with his bare hand, which causes the Smasher to fall down dead. His true identity now exposed, Death's Head reveals himself to be the Death Stalker, another enemy of Daredevil who is after the secrets that Karen's father held concerning the time-displacement cobalt experiments. Daredevil confirms that Karen doesn't have the information, but he is still unable to lay a hand on the intangible villain. Ghost Rider arrives and attacks, causing Deathstalker to grab him with his hands in an attempt to kill him. The villain is shocked when the Death's touch is ineffective against Ghost Rider, causing him to try and flee. Ghost Rider blasts Deathstalker with Hellfire, catching him on fire as he disappears, swearing that he will return. Transforming back into his human form, 
Blaze offers Karen a lift back to the city. She accepts, and the two leave, telling Daredevil goodbye. And that's where this issue ends. All right, guys. So for this one uh, is is really it, it's the last uh, issue in the story arc about Ghost Rider and Karen Page and Stuntmaster. And you know, for me as a reader, it couldn't come fast enough because um, we we know that there was uh, fill in issues that you know last minute changes in. Uh, writing teams and stuff like that there's a lot of behind the scenes drama involving uh these last several issues as well as the daredevil tie-in as well um you know i don't think this is really a high point of the johnny blaze run i think there was just a lot going on with marvel editorial at the time so for me seeing this finally come to an end and set up a the new status quo again which is mostly the same as before but kind of moving on from this was a welcome change so Let's talk a little bit about what I liked and what I didn't like about issue 20. This one's called Two Against Death. And honestly, it is you know it is more of a Daredevil issue, I'll be honest with you. Ghost Rider is kind of like a, a guest star in this one. Um, but what I liked about it is the art. The art alone is, is really great. You know, John Byrne was young at the time, and he was kind of getting into his own. Uh, but working with Don Perlin and, and seeing them, you know, really kind of... Um, have some really great moments here. Uh, I think Death's Head looks fantastic. I think the Rider looks good. Seeing Daredevil fight uh, is always cool. So that was really, really nice. That was one of the high points for me. Is is the art on this issue is it, it, pretty, pretty good, you know. Um, and for someone who, um, it, you know, it, it kind of cleans the board for the next writer coming up for the Ghost Rider series, which is Jerry Conway. Um, that's a good thing because we, we want to move past kind of these these storylines here um so that does set it up for, for the next writer but um the villain is decent you know i didn't know who death's head was in fact i didn't know who death stalker was that's on me because i'm not a daredevil reader if you were a daredevil reader i think it was probably pretty obvious um but as someone who comes from the ghost rider fandom and not know much about daredevil's uh, rose gallery um Seeing the the powers of this Death's Head character and then transforming into Death Stalker uh, was pretty cool. I mean, it, you know, he seems pretty powerful. He's almost untouchable, and from what I gather, he was a huge thorn in Daredevil's side over the years. You know, so not just uh, Death Stalker, but Death's Head as well. Clearly, uh, Karen Page's father. Um, but you know, it's one thing I didn't like, despite the fact that it's a decent villain. And it was pretty cool. Some of the stuff I didn't like about it. Well, at the end of this issue, there's really no payoff, right? Um, like I said before, it is a Daredevil issue through and through. There's, Blaze does not have a huge part in this story, despite the fact that it's his book. It's really a Daredevil uh, tale. And at the end of it, uh, the villain gets away. There's really no comeuppance that happens after all the you know, planning and plotting. And the plans don't make any sense, by the way. It really doesn't make a ton of sense. He's so powerful, yet he takes out a $1 million bounty on Karen and everybody, and Stuntmaster's involved. The plan is a total mess. doesn't make any sense at all. It really, it really is, is, is kind of dumb. So if you're following logically, forget about it. Just throw that out the window. Don't mess this up with, with good rationale here, guys. This is an issue that really doesn't make a lot of sense and just tries to coast on its... Um, on his visuals, really, you know, and I don't mean that against Marv Wolfman, uh, but you know, it's 
to me, this was it was a, it, it was really probably written at the last second just to kind of get something out there for for the series uh, based on all the changes in the writing team on Ghost Rider uh, at the time. Like I said, it was a lot of controversy with uh, Tony Isabella's exit and and the the handling of the friend and that kind of stuff. So it, it's a really tough period for the Ghost Riders. Uh, readers, I think. And you can sort of get that vibe when you read the editorial, Letters to the Editor at the end. Uh, some fans liked the direction. Some fans were disappointed. A lot of fans hated the Southern Cowboy talk that he all of a sudden started doing, started calling people cowboy and, and uh, you know saying all these funny things. And that's something that even the earlier reviews that we did this episode was a huge problem. You know, you have Ghost Riders, you know, you have Johnny Blaze constantly talking with uh, euphemisms from the South and, and, and the West. He calls people critter and all these kind of, you know, partner and stuff like that. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that kind of, you know, verbiage, but it seems like out of nowhere. You know what I mean? And one of the letters to the editor was someone from that part of the country, of the U.S., and they were like, I've never heard anyone say this phrase before. What What's the deal? Please tone it down. Uh, so that's always funny is that, uh, you know, you have that back and forth. Um, like I said, th- this doesn't really do much Ghost Rider doesn't really do much in this issue like I said it's more of a Karen Page Daredevil storyline um, the identity of Deathstalker is spoiled on the cover so that reveal falls flat because right on the cover you see Deathstalker if you read most of this issue though he's Death's had most of this issue so the fact that it's like oh my god dun 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 it's Deathstalker uh, is not really doesn't have the emotional impact uh, if it w- wasn't really telegraphed on the cover now if you were a daredevil reader it's really not that big of a stretch to find out who it could have been based on his dialogue and his reasoning but honestly it just um it it really kind of spoils it right at the start so that kind of fails right there um i think ghost rider fans if you're just reading ghost rider and didn't read much of daredevil you were confused um that's how i was at least you know i've read a you know every ghost rider issue that's come out I haven't read a lot of Daredevil, so I'm I was very much in the dark with this kind of thing. The dialogue, also, like I said a moment ago about the Southern uh, slang, is cringeworthy. Not just from Blaze, but uh, from Daredevil himself. You know, he makes kind of these puns. He's kind of a bargain basement Spider-Man uh, in terms of the jokes that he's telling. You know, he gets kind of thrown by Smasher or something, and then he says his costume's made of boomerang fabric, and and he comes right back. So it's really kind of cheesy. It doesn't do the character justice. And and I know this was pre-Frank Miller, Daredevil, I think, you know, so there was, you know, a a different kind of a a way the character was presented. But, you know, this part sort of doesn't fully work. Uh, And I keep going back to Daredevil and Matt Murdock and, you know, more more moments with them throughout the issue. They're walking through the park all of a sudden, and and then he has to open his shirt and become Daredevil again. It's so really, Blaze is is a minor character in his own book, which is a shame basically to see what happened here. I don't like the fact that the, he keeps putting on the spook act, and even Daredevil thinks it's ridiculous. He says, "You know, you cut that out right now." <laughs> you know, this was the time when Blaze was fully himself when he would transform. He was not. Uh, taken over by the demonic entity like he would later on in the series um, but it, to me it really just seems like he's a fraud kind of thing you know and I know that sounds pretty harsh but you know he's just pretending to be this this evil entity kind of thing and I suppose it wouldn't sound the same if he just talked like straight up blaze 
But that's kind of what they're doing now, guys. You know, when you read Ghost Rider comic nowadays, he mostly talks like Johnny Blaze. When you read Danny Ketch now, uh, as recent as last year, he talks like Danny Ketch. Uh, he doesn't have that kind of speech pattern, which some people love, some people hate. But at the very least, it distinguishes the characters. For all of Daniel Way's uh, flaws in his uh, 19 issues on the series back in, in the 2000s, at the very least, what I liked about it is that you had the Ghost Rider and Blaze were very separate entities. They were at odds with each other. And sometimes they had to work together and sometimes they hated each other. And that's when I love Ghost Rider the most. That when you have this tug of war between the, the, two, the two beings... It's not a happy uh, existence between the two because neither of them are free. Uh, you know, I want to give a shout out to collective member David Finn. He always talks about the Ghost Rider and being free. It just feels like freedom, be, you know, riding the open roads. But being the Ghost Rider is a hellish existence. It, it is a horrible thing uh, to have to experience. It's not a power that you would want to give on your worst enemy because of the nature of of, of the things that happen to you, you know, and you're sharing your being with, with someone who really can't stand you for the most part, and they're always at odds with each other, but they need each other to complete the mission of vengeance, so uh, that's really when, when Ghost Rider shines. This issue alone, back in the 70s, does not have any of those moments. It, it really, it, it just, um, it, it doesn't do Ghost Rider any justice. It doesn't, like I said, does not feel like uh, the 20th issue of a Ghost Rider series. It, it just doesn't. Um, so overall, I mean, there are some highlights here, especially with the art, but for me, it's not really an enjoyable issue. Um, so I'm only going to give this two flaming skulls out of five for Ghost Rider issue 20 from the 1970s. Now we did have a post writers uh, sent into the show regarding this, uh, this team up kind of thing by one of our longtime listeners. Um, uh, Mr. JRB, we have at Jay Barsodi on Twitter. Uh, he's one of our longtime listeners. We love interacting with him. He's a big Ghost Rider fan. And he says he loves when the Daredevil and Ghost Rider have meetups. Uh, when Ghost Rider gets mad that he should actually be called Daredevil uh, for being an actual stuntman. Um, such a small thing that humanizes the Spirit of Vengeance host side. Yes, that's, that's very true. Thank you for sending that in for the Post Rider segment. Um, that's true because, you know... Uh, you know they've worked together over the years, and they've been at odds over the years. And there was that moment, actually not too long ago, actually, where he was kind of confessing. I think it might have been to Dare to um, Deadpool how much he hated the fact that Daredevil had that name. Now, of course, I think it's all silly. I don't take that seriously. You know, people online really take that seriously. I'm like, oh my god, Johnny Blaze hates the fact that Daredevil has a name. I think that's totally ridiculous. Um, it's just a funny thing that writers have put in there over the years. But honestly, it it, it does humanize the character a bit. You know, if that's something that's uh, that's true. You know what I mean? But you know, because he's the spirit of vengeance. Like, at, at, come on, at the end of the day, he's the spirit of vengeance. And there have been some really amazing um, moments that Daredevil has. Um, either worked with the Ghost Rider or fought him. I mean, well, we can't forget Shadowland, uh, the miniseries uh, from about 10 years back or so, where, you know, it was depicted on the cover. They were going to have this huge brawl. And unfortunately, it really didn't live up to its potential. Uh, you know, Ghost Rider was kind of taken out like a punk and, and left stranded while the other heroes went off to celebrate at the end. You know, that was a disappointing thing. But there's been other moments where you had, uh, in the 90s especially, when you had Matt Murdock um, teaming up with the Ghost Rider uh, in, in his series. And there's a moment where uh, Matt Murdock 
talks about what the rider smells like. He's got that heightened sense of smell and how he smells like like burned sulfur or something like that. And it just really paints a picture of how how unearthly this spirit of vengeance is. It's really kind of compelling, you know what I mean? So it's uh, and the fact that you have Matt Murdock's, uh, you know, his his Catholic history and you know his 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 own guilt as well as you know Danny Ketch and Johnny Blaze and the, and this Ghost Rider. It, it is always cool to have them work together. Um, you know, I, I would like to see them work more in the future as a team, but I know they're very different. Um, but that's something that I always kind of wanted back in the day. So, no, I definitely agree with that. So uh, thank you to uh, at uh, Jay Barsotti for sending that in for Post Riders. So before we say goodbye for the night, let me do a quick reminder to everybody that we are having a huge uh, Ghost Rider issue giveaway. We're giving away 50 issues for free uh, of Ghost Rider's Danny Catch series from the 90s, issues 1 to 50. That was graciously donated to us by Michael Philbrick, a diehard Ghost Rider fan and a big friend of the show. Uh, all you have to do is you need to submit a five-star review for Inner Demons, the podcast, and uh, send that to me, a screen grab with hashtag GR50. That is to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Ghost Rider, as well as to thank you guys, the fans, for sticking with the show and also interacting with me for all these years. Uh, It is our fifth year coming up as well as the podcast, so uh, we really appreciate all of our fans and listeners uh, of the show. So send in your five-star review. That just helps us to be moved up in the ranking so more fans can find the show i don't do the show for pay or anything like that it's just kind of a fun thing that that i do as a a side project amongst the other stuff i do in my life so really we just want people to hear the show and really enjoy and find more fans and the best part is i'm hearing that i'm hearing people find the show for the first time and get excited about it and meet all of our listeners and go oh my god i didn't know that you were such a big fan and kind of making friends and that's kind of what we're all about uh is inner demons the the, the podcast we have this ghostwriter fan community around us that is second to none we have some of the absolute best fans in the world so uh, and this year is huge for us fans, the 50th anniversary of Ghost Rider. So let's all celebrate together uh, by, uh, you know, by listening and, and, and see if you can get those, those comics, guys. You know, that, that's uh, a quick, quick and easy and free way to do it. So if you are an international listener, we will be probably having something in the future for you guys. But right now, this is limited to the continental United States because I have to send it out myself. Um, but the last thing we will say is um, we will send you guys off with the interview from Carrie Harris. She is a fabulous writer that uh, recently um, finished Witches Unleashed, which is a Marvel Untold story about Ghost Rider. And um, the witches characters like Topaz, Jennifer Kale, and Satana. The book sounds amazing. It is currently out now on uh, Aconite Books on Amazon. You can get it on Kindle, I believe. And you can get it physically as well, which is honestly what I'm waiting for because I can't wait to hold it in my hands and read it uh, and really dive into the story. Uh, She's a diehard Ghost Rider fan from way back. She's written a lot of other fantastic books. So I hope you guys enjoy her interview. She was really gracious with her time uh, with us. So I hope you enjoy and check her out online at Carhar on Twitter. Guys, thank you so, so much for this jam-packed episode of Inner Demons, the Ghost Rider podcast. Have a great night and we will see you next time. Right on, guys. This is Brian from the Inner Demons Ghost Rider podcast, and I am here with a very special guest tonight. Uh, she is an author, uh, you know, a former game designer, a fan of Halloween and monster cupcakes, uh, the one and only Carrie 
Harris. Carrie, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. No, we, we, we're very happy that we, we got you, got you in, you know, this is, this is a big deal, you know, for Ghost Rider fans and, and fans of, of these characters in general, uh, you know, uh, so this is a very kind of cool thing. So thank you once again for doing the show. Um, yeah, so let, let's get right into it. You know, uh, I know you're a very busy lady over there, but uh, I want to know what got you into writing, Carrie? Um, you know, I, I've always been a writer. I've always been a reader. Um, when I was young, I actually wrote X-Men fan fiction in which I was Kitty Pride's best friend. They were called Kitty and Carrie, and uh, we would go on adventures together. Nice. Uh, they were awful. They did not survive. And that is probably a good thing because then I can remember them fondly without any of the pressure of having to share it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, but I thought it would be a hobby. I, I got a job out of college and figured I would just write for fun. But then um, uh, we had three kids. We had a set of twins and mm-hmm. decided I would stay at home and try this writing thing. And if I sold something before they all went to school, I wouldn't go back to work. Huh, and okay. I haven't gone back to work. Nice. Okay. Well, that's a nice little... Uh career shift. Very, very cool. Now, you mentioned yeah. uh, Kitty Pride and Kitty Pride's powers. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, you wrote a book called uh, On the Wall, right? Yeah. Is there a character with a very special ability that's a little bit like Kitty Pride's, but but quite different? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that's a really good catch. That, that was the first book I wrote. Um, and it started out as a novel, and um, it was about teenage superheroes, and I wanted them to fight something more real world instead of, you know, the super villain who dry washes his hands and makes <laughs> lasers on the moon. Of course. So, yeah. So, um, but, but there's a character in on the wall who's very much inspired by Kitty pride. And awesome. um, I was really happy that, that later on I got to turn it into a graphic novel and, mm. and my very first story saw the light of day. That is so cool. Well, you know, that's that's a great way to kind of transition into that. So that that that's amazing. I can still remember going back in a million years ago with the first X Men movie uh, in two thousand. I think it was. You know, we're all in the theater, and we that young lady ran through the wall, and all of my friends jumped up in the middle of the theater. We're like, "It's Shadowcat! It's Kitty yeah. Pryde! Oh my god! Oh my god! It's so!" It, it was like just a little cameo or a little brief yeah. moment. Like it was so cool. So uh, that is that is really really great. You know that you were a fan of that. So. Uh, yeah, that leads me to my next question about uh, what were some of the books that you've written so far? I know we mentioned On the Wall. What were some of the other books that you've written? Uh, I've, I've written a lot. Actually, um, my new Ghost Rider book is my 20th book. Ooh, very and nice. I cannot believe that. Um, but I've, I've written a few books for Marvel, including um, an X-Men book, uh, Liberty and Justice for All, and mm-hmm. uh, Witches Unleashed, which is my new Ghost Rider book. Um, I've done comic horror, I've done science fiction, I've done um, paranormal romance. I just kind of go wherever it is that I feel like um, until somebody points me in a direction. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a little scattered. <laughs> you know, it, it's the, the different genres you mentioned, you know, that sounds a little bit like Johnny Blaze's life itself, you know, with the whole... <laughs> with his his romance with uh, Roxanne and, and all the stuff that, with the carnival and growing up and all the crazy stuff that he had to go through. Uh, I heard you grew up around motorcycle culture. Is that one of the things that drew you to Johnny Blaze? 
Absolutely. Um, so my, my grandpa was a motorcycle mechanic and then my uncle was a biker and, um, I used to ride with them all the time. And that was one of the coolest, like, like that was my thing. <laughs> and so that's the reason I picked up my first ghost rider comic was because I thought they would think it was cool. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he's been one of my favorite characters ever since I was a teenager and um, the way that, that the novel thing works is you get to pitch a few ideas. Yeah. And um, I did this thing where each time I pitched, I put the one I really wanted at the end. <laughs> okay. I don't know why I thought maybe that was the one they would remember. Yeah. And so I pitched a few things, but the last one was, was Ghost Rider and I wanted it so bad. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I still can't believe my luck. That is awesome. That is, that is so cool. And, you know, the thing about characters like uh, Ghost Rider and even, you know, Satana, Topaz, Jennifer Kale, Doctor Strange, these are very visually striking characters. And did you find it challenging to bring those kind of characters to the written page? Uh, not necessarily. I think, um, especially since I did the X-Men book already, um, you know, you kind of sit down and think, okay, every piece of Marvel, um, every Marvel story has its own strengths, mm. you know, so you get something different out of the movies versus the comics versus the TV shows. So what do books do well? And, and the thing that books do well is they give you a real chance to live in the character's head. Yeah. I want to live in Johnny Blaze's head so bad. Mm -hmm. um, especially since at this point in the story, he's really, uh, he's he's gone through the ringer which he does pretty much periodically but um he's got to face some some really dark truths about himself that he's not quite ready to face right and so it was really um it was really interesting to get to leap inside his head and see exactly what he's thinking that makes him act the way he does because he does some really stupid stuff Yes. Uh, you know, the, I don't know who said it, but, you know, Johnny Blaze, I mean, I grew up Danny Ketch, right? But so Johnny Blaze, yeah. to me, was just the grizzled guy who came in around issue 14, who who just wanted to cause problems for for young Danny. I'm like, who is this guy? I, I was so naive when I was a uh, youngster. Who is this guy? This guy's coming in with a hellfire shotgun. I'm like, you know, who, why is he causing so many problems? And of course, you dig deeper, you read some some back stories, you read the origin of, of, of the character. And yeah, his heart has always been in the right place, but his brain not always is. <laughs> yes. You know, he makes he decides with with his heart. He always does the right thing, uh, but sometimes he ma he makes the mistake and he decides the wrong thing. But I mean, look at his origin. You know, with making the deal there. You know, so. Yeah. Well, yeah. and and the thing that I thought of as I was writing this book was that every character is a hero in their own story. Mm -hmm. You know, they're trying to do the best that they can. They believe they're. They're doing the right thing. There's a different definition of right, depending of on who you ask. But mm -hmm. um, so getting a chance to see, um, you know, this book is set in a very specific time in the comics. It's right after Johnny has, uh, this is during the Vicious Cycle storyline. Yes. It's right after Johnny and Doctor Strange have gone head to head. Mm -hmm. And uh, it did not go well. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I, I'm assuming I can give spoilers since that storyline came out over 10 yes. years ago, yes. but 
you know, Johnny kills Dr. Strange. Yeah. And has to walk away from that and go, okay, I did the right thing. Mm-hmm. So why does he think that? Right. And that's what fascinates me about, about getting to write novels about him is that you get to see some of that. That's really interesting. And, and he has a lot of guilt, of course, you know, with everything like that. And that was such a, a dark period of his life, uh, even more than usual, because he really felt responsible for, uh, during the Daniel Way run, for bringing back Lucifer to, the, to, to Earth and causing all these problems. So he really wanted to atone for all that. So there's a lot of really fantastic stories during that time period. And honestly, Carrie, I'm very excited about this book that you wrote, because not just as a Ghost Rider fan, because I read Witches as well uh, recently. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I want to see them all play off each other. You know, it's, uh, you know, you have... These characters, you have Topaz, Jennifer Kale, who, by the way, is very tied to the Ghost Rider mythology. And yep. you have uh, Satana, you know, also another one. And, and then you have Ghost Rider. You have all these combustible elements. You have characters who are partners, but, but not necessarily allies. You know, they have to work together. You know, in, in reading reading Witches recently and kind of getting the vibe of almost like a Charlie's Angels vibe, but like yeah. if Charlie's Angels, if they really hated each other sometimes, you know, and they cause each other a lot of problems. But uh, so what's it going to be like? Uh, uh, you know, if I can get a little glimpse into the book to see these characters kind of mingle with each other. Well, it, you know, you exactly hit on what drew me to the witches is that, you know, they have this Charlie's angels, but Marvel vibe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it really, the, the comic was only four issues long. So you yeah. really only got to see them during the uncomfortable bonding stage where they're thrown together. They don't want to be there and none of them trust each other. Yeah. So this story uh, forwards the timeline a little bit. So mm-hmm. they've had a chance to mesh as a group. Mm. And, um, you know, the real, I, I think the best way to describe them is they're a found family. Mm. They, uh, they do not always see eye to eye because mm. the group has, has been made of such disparate people. You've got, right. uh, you know, the whole story of witches is that you have to have uh, a mortal magician, uh, infernal and a celestial. Um, but anyway, you know, those, those three very different perspectives right. and, uh, they, they love each other, but they don't always like each other. That's an excellent way to put it. And, you know, it, it kind of reminds me uh, of the TV program, Supernatural. There was this uh, character named Bobby Singer in Supernatural. And he told the, the Dean and Sam Winchester that, you know, family doesn't end in blood. And, you know, it's uh, it's the found family element. You know, he had all this, this whole group of hunters, you know, get group gathered together. We have a lot of our listeners who are dire Ghost Rider fans also of Supernatural for the, the various mm-hmm. parallels between the, the brothers and the, the hunting and all that kind of stuff like that. So I think that's really Fabulous. So I'm and I'm dying to read the book because I want to know what happens. Which is ended with a cliffhanger. It was a four issue series by Brian Patrick Walsh, Mike uh, Diodato Jr., and uh, Will Conrad, and it was uh, ends on a cliffhanger. I mean, they they leave with the book, uh, the Tome of Zeradna, and they're going off into the sunset. I'm like, now what? And I don't know what happens next. I don't know. Maybe that'll get touched on in the book. I'm I'm very excited about that. Um, but regardless, uh, I'm very much looking forward to seeing how these characters kind of mesh, especially during that time period, because as a fan of Ghost Rider during that period, uh, you know, he had this big mission to take out all these uh, Lucifer parts, avatars, and, you know, and then he kept getting sidetracked with other missions, you know, with yep. Hulk and all this stuff. And then by the end, then he's rushing through all of them. We really didn't get a chance to see his thought process and taking down uh, multiple ones. And, and it felt like it was a real rush to the rush to the finish there. So I'm very, very excited to see a peek into the timeline. Cause this is called Marvel untold, right? Basically. 
Yep. So there Perfect. are 666 fragments and uh, we saw what, 20 of them in the comic. So uh, <laughs> if we're lucky now, it's now it's 21. Now it's 21. But, you know, but I'm very excited about it because um, I, I want to learn more about, especially in seeing with the shared history that he has with these other uh, women yeah. and seeing Lilith in the witch's story too blew my mind. I had no idea Lilith was in that story. I could not believe it. I love Lilith. Um, yeah. Do you think readers uh, of Witches Unleashed, uh, would you recommend they pick up uh, the Witches miniseries or they can hop right into your book? Um, I try to write books that, that work either way. Um, if you don't know anything about these characters, you can pick it up and read it and appreciate it. Um, however, all of my Marvel books so far have included um, Easter eggs and references mm. to things that happened in the comics because I love to find those. It makes me feel cool. Yeah. And very few things make me feel cool. I need to get it <laughs> while I can. So, well, I heard um, you were Batman. I don't, is, I mean, Batman's pretty cool, right? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have a friend who calls me Batman and That's she hilarious. is the commissioner. Okay. And that is awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, do you think uh, Ghost Rider fans would, uh, what do you think that they, they're going to love about your book specifically? Um, well, for me as a Ghost Rider fan, just having more Ghost Rider content, mm -hmm. yep. um, uh, I don't think that he or really the Marvel horror line gets as much attention as I think it deserves because mm -hmm. there are some great characters in there. And stories that I want to see as a fan. Mm -hmm. So um, I tried to write something that scratched all of my Ghost Rider itches. You know, I want to see cool transformations. I want to see uh, lots of emotional conflict. Um, I want to see him torn between uh, what he believes is right and what he wants to do. And I want to see some cool fight scenes. Yeah. You know, I, I want all those things and I want those images. Um, you know, of, of the rider on his bike mm -hmm. and, and the transformation. That was one of the coolest scenes that I got to write it was the first time I wrote his transformation. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it, it, it was a totally different way to experience it. Yeah. And um, I hope it resonates with other people the way it did with me. You know, it's not a fun superpower to have, you know, it's no. not an enviable thing to do. It's a, it's a hellish existence, no pun intended, really, you know? So it's a, uh, yeah, it's a tough thing. And, you know, and I'm secretly hoping for a scene where, where the, the girls and Ghost Rider walk away from a slow motion explosion in the background kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, I heard you might be a little bit of fan of that, that kind of thing. So, uh, so I think we're, we're alike in that regard. So. I love me a good slow motion explosion. <laughs> I admit it. <laughs> who doesn't it's it's just the best and now it's become a cliche of course but now now it's like you see it in, in, in the movie and you just you just crack up but you know honestly yeah you know you got to have something like that so it, it's just really great uh so you know we'll wrap up in just a moment you know i like i said i appreciate your time um but you know before we go i heard you're a huge halloween fan you know the holiday not just the movie but the holiday and you yep. once dressed up as a uh, a cheerleader in a, in a slasher film is that is that correct do you have do you have yeah. any other uh, Halloween memories that are very, uh, you know, that might be fun to share or something like that? Because we have a lot of our listeners love Halloween, you know? Oh, I do too. Um, actually, that slasher film cheerleader, um, I did I did full makeup. So I had my neck cut and I was spattered in gore. And I was driving to a Halloween party 
and I'm in my car and it wasn't Halloween night. You know, it was like they had had the party the Saturday before or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was driving past this old couple on a two lane remote Michigan highway and they drove off the road. They were like staring at me through the window and they drove off the road. So I had to stop and see if they were okay, but they were afraid of me because <laughs> I was covered in gore. And I'm like, it's, it's a costume here. Oh, People, God. Yeah. So um, my costumes are hazardous to the public health, I guess. It sounds like a ghostwriter story, to be honest with you. You know, yeah. like one of these things where he's, you know, he, he encounters a spirit of a, of a slain cheerleader and, and and then an old couple is, in, is in, I mean, that sounds like the start of one. If I've ever heard one in my life, for sure. Um, that is hilarious. I, I love that. That's kind of where your mind goes with that stuff. Um, yeah. You know, and, and honestly, I, you know, for those who are un, uninitiated with Witches Unleashed, uh, the description I read was um, it basically it's uh, three extraordinary supernatural heroes join forces with the Ghost Rider to capture Lucifer himself and return him to hell in this staggering superhero venture from Marvel Untold. I mean, that that just sounds so exciting, so interesting. I really can't wait uh, to hop into this and to uh, see that this is like the unofficial kickoff to the year of vengeance, in, in my opinion. This is the 50th anniversary of Ghost Rider is 2022. Uh, we're doing a huge giveaway for, we're giving away uh, 50 Danny Catch issues that was graciously donated to our show. It's always really great things. So this this is the best way to get started uh, with a year of, uh, of vengeance. So I'm so excited. Uh, one final thing I wanna see, is there anything you'd like to plug or promote uh, before we go? S social media, websites, what, what do you got? Uh, the best place to visit me is on Twitter because that's where I go when I'm having trouble writing my words for the day. And I'm Carhar, C-A-R-R-H-A-R-R -R -R on Twitter. And I like to ask lots of obnoxious, ridiculous comic book questions uh, to waste my time and yours. <laughs> Not a waste of a time if we're having a great time. So no worries there. Yeah. And where can people pick up the book? Uh, the books are, well, right now, um, uh, the books are probably in transit. Uh, but they should be at most local bookstores. I know a lot of the Barnes and Nobles are carrying the Marvel Untold line. If they don't have it there, they can get it for you. Mm -hmm. uh, but you can also get it at all the major online retailers. Um, and I hope you enjoy it. Awesome. Very cool. Carrie, thank you so much. And I'm really looking forward to it. Have a great night. Thank you so much. You too. Thanks.